Hey everybody, welcome back to You Pretend World's Real People. As always, I'm Tyler, and I really quick, I want to share with all of you the Nietzsche blue light blocking glasses for your computer. I ordered them off of uh, Amazon, B-E-N-I-C-C-I. -I. If you have trouble, you know, working on your, on your computer for more than, what, an hour or so and you get eye strain, just take a look at these, order them if you'd like to. I ordered them, I've been using them for the last couple of days, and it's been amazing using them for my day job, for self-tape editing, for screenwriting, I just, I feel great. And I still can't believe like that <laughs> blue light has that effect on you if you do not block it. So please take a look, give them their support because they are, they're just fantastic. And they'll give you a thank you card in the box. No one does that. Just saying. My arms are up. No one does that. Anyway, let's move right into what's been going on this week. Nothing crazy. A couple self-tapes here and there. My eyes just been glued to Actors Access. I've got a few really fun checks coming in so I can start paying those student loans that are coming back out. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. Acting class, as always, because you need your acting class. And yeah, I think that is all, on my end at least. Oh, and rollerblading. So if you are somebody who loves rollerblading, get out there and start doing it. I'm three or four months into getting back into it, and I feel great. Awesome form of alternative cardio. Plus, you feel like, you know, you could be in a simple plan video, which I know is a very outdated reference, but we're going to leave it there. Anyway, this week's guest is Anthony Molinari. Now, if you do not recognize his name, you will recognize his face being from Tenet, the fighter as Neri, Black Mass, or my personal favorite, Barry, where he plays the grocery store manager in the Ronnie slash Lily episode who gets headbutted by Ronnie and makes this amazing sort of chicken sound that I couldn't help bringing up in the recording. He is an incredible stunt coordinator, stuntman, and actor. And not only that, he's just a very humble and generous person. I didn't want to take up too much of his time because he has been working like crazy. So this is, you know, this is a relatively shorter episode of the podcast. But he was just very sweet. The second we got into the Zoom call before I started recording, he's just like, hey man, how should I go? Like just a really, really nice guy which is something you, uh, I don't want to say you don't expect, but you you don't try to expect from somebody who is a working professional because you, you just don't, you, you don't know people. Uh, but he was incredibly sweet and generous with his time. And uh, yeah, it was just great talking to somebody I've looked up to for the last 12, 13 years as we do get into. And I, uh, I do thank him <laughs> pretty unceremoniously for just inspiring myself and others for just like diving into the industry and trying to make our mark. So yeah, let's let's get right into it. Let's launch into the episode. Let's strap in, grab your soda, your popcorn, maybe your uh <laughs> your brushing your teeth while you're getting ready for work. Anything that works for you works for me. So let's sit down and chat with Anthony Molinari. <laughs> Anthony Molinari. Uh, I live in uh, Los Angeles and I'm an actor. Uh, I started in the business as a stunt performer. Actually, I started in the business as a, a background artist. Then I worked in the PA world. Then I started uh, pursuing the career of stunts. Did the stunts for about, well, I'm still kind of doing stunts. I still have uh, a large window, but of yeah. stunt performers and, con and con like, I mean, coordinators that I still work with but for the most part uh, a lot of my career is kind of geared focused on uh, acting so that's what I'm doing now 
and you've, I mean, your resume speaks for itself. I think the first thing I ever saw you in was uh, The Fighter, one of my favorite movies. And you were, uh, you were Neary. And the second you popped on screen, man, I was like, holy shit, this guy. Like, I, I was hoping to see you in more roles like that. And lo and behold, dozens of roles later, you're still like, you're either the, uh, you know, this, this really tough, like, police officer, uh, you're a badass gunman, or uh, my personal favorite, you make a cameo on the show Barry uh where i oh, forgive me i forgot the uh the stuntman's name that uh that headbutts you and you make this like this this chicken sound as you fall down do you recall that <laughs> yeah 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 that was um that was an interesting evening yeah that was a lot of fun that was when i got introduced to bill yeah and um and bill Hader runs a great a great show over there mm-hmm. i mean an absolute like uh film genius he, he he knows how to um he knows how to do it all so yeah, yeah we we met each other on that show and uh, on that night and then uh, we've actually we've kind of stayed in touch ever since and I, I did something that night to impress him and, and he's kind of kept me in his camp ever since oh that's fantastic man well i uh sorry i didn't mean to to jump ahead too too far but i guess i should yeah. rewind back a little bit and see you know how did you land in the arts industry a lot of us just kind of fall into it what was your uh, your journey like from there was it more of a did you make a dare with somebody was it something you're always always interested in like when did you start uh kind of like diving into this part of the the industry yeah that's an that's a good question I, it was an interesting story because I, I i wasn't one of those kids that was like i my, i grew up my whole life knowing this is what i wanted to do what i wanted to, uh, to pursue instead it was um I figured out in college when I was uh, when I was graduating at Bowdoin College up in Maine. I started running this program for children, big big brother, big sister program, and that's where I discovered my love for teaching. So after graduating Bowdoin, I pursued uh, early elementary, which I minored in, and I moved out to San Francisco and started teaching. I wanted my my goal was to kind of teach as many different kinds of curriculums as possible, um, and I had taught for like about eight years before I started coming out here pursuing this business. And what was the turning point, what made me uh, kind of give this a chance was one day I wrote on the board, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my students had to write like just a, you know, a short paragraph on what it is that they wanted to be. And one of my students just raised his hand and said, Mr. M, this is stupid. I don't know why I want to be when I grow up. And I'm like, come on, Kenny, just write your paper, please. And he was like, no, I'm serious, Mr. M. I'm only nine years old. How am I supposed to know what I want to be when I'm only nine? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, well, then let's just talk about what you want to be as a nine-year-old. What could you do today? And so he's like, oh, I don't know, Mr. M. So I was like, come on, Kenny, you always talk about the crocodile hunter. Write a paper about working with reptiles. He's like, yeah, all right, fine. I'll write my paper, Mr. M. If you tell me what you wanted to be when you were nine years old. And I go, what? Because I swear I'll write it, I promise. I go, okay. Um, Oh, I would have wrote about uh, this this fall guy, this Hollywood stuntman who drove trucks and jumped off buildings and got in fights. And uh, I probably would have wrote about something like that. He goes, you wanted to be a stuntman? <laughs> Can you write your paper? So then like a week went by, he comes up and goes, Mr. M, check it out. I'm like, you know you're not supposed to print anything off the internet without permission. Come on, man. Like, why are you, uh, why are you doing it? He's like, just look at it. So I look at this and I'm like, what? stunt school i was like where'd you find this he goes the internet is to get up with the times come on <laughs> so he he gives me this application for this 
this flyer for the stunt school that he found online and I put it on my desk and he goes, you tell us to follow our dreams as kids. Why don't you go and follow yours? And I was like, touche. I was like, I'm cool. I, I love being your teacher. So I'm going to hang out. And so I finished the year, but then I looked at the application and I ended up going to that school in Seattle. And, um, and then when I went to the school, I gave it a chance. I came down to Los Angeles and that was in 2001. And I've been out here ever since. Wow. I, any chance you, uh, you've reconnected with Kenny. I'm sure he's what late twenties now, probably 30. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, yeah, this was, um, so he was nine and this was what, 21 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's about 30 years old now. I, I lost touch with Kenny probably about, I want to say 12 years ago. Okay. Uh, once I started having my family, he, he kind of graduated from his program that he was in, but yeah, no, they, they definitely knew, the students and Kenny both knew that I came out here to pursue the business and they both, they all knew that like I had, uh, I had, I was starting to succeed in it, but I don't think they quite got, well, they might still be following me. I don't know. I have to look them up. I, I've yeah. been, that's been on my, my list of things to do for a while now, but now I lost trust with Kenny about 12 years ago. Oh, wow. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure he still sees you. Cause I mean, you're, you're damn near everything, <laughs> you know, it's uh <laughs> Yeah, it would just be it'd be really cool to to see that reunion. So I mean, and it's a a really non traditional story. I mean, like you said, you're not somebody who spent years in high school musical theater or something trying to get out and and do this. It just you know some <laughs> one of your students pushed it on you, which is just a fantastic story in and of itself. So I mean, you you go to the school, you completely rock stunt school. You go down to L.A. Did you give yourself a timeline once you got to L.A. of hey, if I'm not you know, doing something akin to this in the next year, I'm going back or were you going full force and just trying to move through it? A little bit of both. I, I definitely gave myself goals because I knew that this was a, a real long shot. And I just knew that I already found something that I was deeply passionate about and in love with. So, and very good at, I was yeah. an, I, I'm an amazing teacher. So I, I was, uh, I think a lot of it was, um, but when I do set my mind to something, I know I go for it like there's no tomorrow. Mm. So I, I was going for it, but I also had some stingent goals, short-term and long-term goals. And one of those was getting in the union. That was the hardest part. Like Ooh, yeah. I started just doing non-union background work and I did that for about a year. And I, I kept hitting these small goals where I'd get one voucher. And then I go, okay, if I don't get another one in three months, oh, I got the second voucher. Okay, I'm giving myself another three. And then I got the last voucher, which made me eligible to join the union. So once I got into the Screen Actors Guild, um, yeah, I felt like I had a real chance and I had to give this some more time. So then I set like, you know, a three-year goal on if I can't get a stunt job after being out here for four years, I'm going to hang it up. And, and I reached that. And then, uh, yeah, after that, I think, yeah, what you mentioned before, the fighter was kind of the one that really took it over the top. But, uh, but yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was an interesting journey from the ground up, not knowing anyone and just coming out here and making it happen yeah I, I mean it sounds like it and i have a friend out there right now who just she just received her uh her sag e you know eligible voucher because she's doing background working really trying to build a career from there right now so i mean what uh, going back to like first jobs being especially a, a newer actor what was your first job on set uh we can go in front of the camera or behind the camera whichever came first but do you remember what that first project was Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was a low budget wrestling. Well, 
it was a wrestling movie and we were doing background. We were just kind of being these crowd kid players that were watching these guys wrestle in the backyard. It was freezing cold in the San Fernando <laughs> Valley. It was at nighttime. They had like one heater for like 400 of us. And, um, and what did they, I call, I remember calling home. I remember calling home and saying like, mom, I'm on a movie set. She goes, oh my God, congratulations. You, you're already you're on a movie set for the first time. I said, yeah. She goes, what's the name of the movie? I was like, oh, it's called Slammed. She's like, oh goodness, Anthony, please just keep your clothes on. Don't do anything to embarrass us. Out there. And I'm like, no, 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 it's a, it's a wrestling movie. She's like, oh, good. She's like, all right, well, have fun. And it was just like, yeah, that was my, um, it was my first experience. I made $49 for eight hours of work and uh, it was great. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a setup for a, um, a whole new acting <laughs> career. You know, being in the valley and it called, you know, being called slammed. That <laughs> just teed right up. You know? Yeah, it was. Uh, I set myself up with that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you you, <laughs> you work on slammed. You make forty nine bucks. You start going through. You getting your vouchers. You eventually get your union card, uh, and you're you're kind of you're on your way, man. I mean, once uh, once all this was kind of organized, did you feel like you were? getting into a groove like with your career i mean were you working another job outside of this to help sort of pay your bills that's a big question we always ask kind of in around these episodes yeah yeah so like once so getting the non-union work for that first like year or so was really easy because non-union like i mentioned it's very cheap and uh and so like you could get you could do very large crowds so there was a high demand for non-union players so I would work seven days a week, sometimes twice a day, because there was just so much work for the non-union. But once I got in the union, I was able to like, you know, pay for the tuition, the, the initiation fee to get in, which was pretty expensive. So I just put it on my credit card. All of a sudden, the work just dwindled. So I went out and got a bartending job. I had worked as a bartender when I was teaching because you can't you gotta make ends meet. And um up in San Francisco and my bar slash restaurant owner mentioned to me, hey, when you go down to LA, look up this guy, Bob Morris, tell him that Henry Africa sent you down. He works, he owns the restaurant Paradise Cove. If you ever need a real job, go over there and ask uh, Bob to take care of you. He'll take care of you. And so that's what I did. I went over to Paradise Cove, had an interview, talked to Bob. And once he found out I was one of Henry Africa's, like, uh, um, uh, bartenders he was like he immediately put me on the staff of that summer so that helped me get through that that first summer of, of union work and then once I got into the union getting a couple of jobs made some relationships I started to transition a little bit more into the PA work which was a production assistant and so I was uh I was working I was able to make enough where I didn't have to do the bartending job anymore I could I could live off of the PA and the background um income because all I wanted to do was really be on set, just learn and hear as yeah. much entertainment language as possible. Because I knew that's ultimately where I wanted to like create my career. So yeah, it was uh, it was a, that was a journey that kind of took a slow pace, but it was fun, yeah. kind of working through it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you cross the the barrier. I, I hear from everybody else too. The second you get your union card, if you're in a place that thrives on non-union work, you're you know it's it's like you're being stuck on a on an oh. island. And you got to swim Man, to the next was, big comment. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I, I used to remember I used to get a call from Central Casting. It was like, 
I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be a union job. I'm like, great. Like, if you can ride a unicycle, play a harmonica and juggle all at the same time, you have a job. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, this is not going to be easy. But yeah, it was, it was through the, when I was in San Francisco, it was actually the first time it ever really got introduced to me. I was working down on Fisherman's Wharf waiting tables. And I remember coming out for my break and a PA stopped you right at the door. And he said, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I go, what's going on? He goes, oh, we're, we're shooting a shot for a TV show. Can you just hold right here for a second? And I was like, I guess so. And then I looked down and I see this Camaro come ripping around the corner, just burning rubber and just flies by us. I was like, what is, who's driving that car? They're like, oh, there's a stuntman. I'm like, wait, is that a real job? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, they make money? You pay them to do that? They're like, yeah, we pay them good. I was like, oh my God, I'm in the wrong <laughs> business. And that was the first time I remember ever really realizing that like, whoa, entertainment is a real thing. Like these movies, like they get paid for this and this is a real yeah. possibility for a real career. And I think I had to see it firsthand in order for it to really sink in. But yeah, I remember that's that was the first time I ever really got introduced to the the uh, the idea that you could get paid to do stunts. It it must be surreal at that moment too. Real, I mean, you went to the school, you did all of the training, but now it's you know how do you incorporate that once you get to, to LA? So I mean, how long go from from there uh, when you're standing out seeing Camaro drive by, you're talking to the PA to you are on set as you know, maybe an assistant stunt coordinator or doing like PA stuff for stunts. When was, uh, I guess not when, but how long of a time frame was that from, uh, from A to B for you to actually like start working on stunts? Yeah, that was funny. Cause like real, realistically, when I was working in San Francisco before I went home and had that uh, uh, incentive by Kenny to kind of come out here and prove uh, to pursue this. Yeah. So basically San Francisco was prior to that move to come out to do the stunt school so oh, okay. when i came when i came so like i was and that was like that was the initial seed i never thought it would come back up in my life again but i do remember walking home that day after work being like guys guys you wouldn't believe what i saw today these guys were driving a the car they're stunt guys and they actually get paid for it they're like one of my friends just looked at me like monari that is your destiny. You are des you are a stunt man. I go, oh, that's funny. He goes, mine's will get paid for it. How did you get in the apartment today? Yeah, I had to climb the pillar and climb through the window. He's like, yeah, you got locked out. You climbed through the. He goes, you're a stunt man, brother. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe. <laughs> but I never really thought twice about it because the teaching was just so fulfilling for me. Yeah. That's uh, so. That was about so two years after that is when I had that conversation with Kenny. So okay. to answer your question. It would probably have been about five years prior to that is when I got when I first set eyes on seeing a, a Nash Bridges being filmed down there on Fisherman's Wharf with the oh, yellow wow. Camaro. Yeah. yeah. Oh my! I used to watch Nash Bridges all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> that's that's insanity. So I mean, now you you've gone to a point where you are solidly working or you know building a resume as as an actor. Is there a project you remember? And maybe we can we can focus on the uh, the earlier set of your career uh, that you remember more more fondly than anything. Maybe it was you know the first time you did a full stunt and you realized like yeah this is my destiny manifested. Or maybe it's something that you know you you didn't think you'd enjoy as much because of the parameters of the set, and then you absolutely loved it. Is there a, a particular project you remember fondly? Well, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. I think, I mean, being able to go 
back to Boston because I was from Worcester, Mass, which is a pretty big city right outside of Boston. The only time we'd go into Boston was to go to a Red Sox or a Celtics game. But going back to Boston, back home, and being able to shoot a film that was about one of your local heroes when you were growing up as a kid, Mickey Wood, that's what blew me away because they had this huge boxing scene and at Lowell Stadium and they said invite whoever you want out so I was able to invite my whole family so they had a day where they came out it was like it was like I don't know 30 of them came out and just sat in the stadium and watched Mark and I like duke it out in the ring and it was it was just surreal that I was home playing a guy opposite a guy who I who I admired so much as a kid Mickey Wood who's one of our local heroes and here I am performing in front of my family and I think those Boston movies like right after that I went on and I did The Town which was like a month later which was an amazing (laughs) Boston movie so and here we are they have us in the suites up in Fenway Stadium as our as our whole as I like as our trailers per se we would get changed and everything and and we're just doing the most insane gunfight inside Fenway Stadium I mean and I was just like, it was surreal. Like going back home, being able to do that kind of stuff, I think are the most memorable yeah. ones. Though that one, Black Mass, I invited yes. a couple of friends out and and I was asking them for advice on what I should say as a response, an authentic response to Johnny Depp as we're having this scene. And they were blown away. It was just like, it, <laughs> I think going home is my favorite and most memorable memories from like earlier on in my career. Oh, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, you, you mentioned it. The Town is one of my favorite films of all time, along with The Fighter. I mean, it's something about Boston for me, just it hits. But, you know, the idea of going home, performing in, in front of your family, too. I mean, th- this is uh, I'm going to remix this into um, one of our previous questions that we had talked about before the podcast. But do you have any interest in producing, you know, your own projects or funding your own projects set near your hometown or maybe even set anywhere else? But let's stick primarily in the, uh, the Massachusetts area. Oh yeah, for sure. It's going to happen. It's already kind of happened. We just got done with a project super proud of. We're actually finishing right now. It's in its final steps of being locked. Um, We, we just completed this project called the last deal. I played the lead role in it. Um, We were fortunate enough last month to get into the Boston International Film Festival. So I went home. We premiered it there for the first time. (laughs) My family (laughs) took like, I I just, I've never had this experience with my family before. They all came up in like a, uh, I I put the elders into a limousine and then all the kids, they had a party van bus that came up. So it was like 70 people ended up showing up in this premiere of just of family and friends on my end. And it was like, it was amazing. I produced it and, and uh, starred in it. And they just were like, we just had the greatest evening together celebrating like our accomplishments and it being premiered for the first time in Boston was really special. So um, it was, uh, it's doing really well right now where we just got into the dance with the films festival, which is one of the bigger ones in Los Angeles. And we're going to be playing at the Chinese man theater on June 10th which would be another amazing experience where I get to celebrate with my West Coast family. So, I mean, right now the producing thing is like, is very successful for the, one of my first really big projects that I've done, but yes, to answer your question, overall goal, I would love to produce movies. Just, I mean, I really want to just tell stories. 
that was one of the big reasons why I left the classroom was because yeah. I felt like I, I'm really good at this and I had no desire to leave the classroom, but if I could inspire at a much larger level and make the world of my classroom, then that would be amazing. So with the, with the power of storytelling and filmmaking, and that includes producing, I, I'm really looking forward to kind of creating a team and similar to like the way that, you know, great directors like Adam Sandler does it, Clint Eastwood does it. I just worked with like um, Christopher Nolan. He's got an amazing team putting together an unbelievable team that you can just feel comfortable with and tell stories and inspire people, move people. Um, yeah, that's that's really the overall goal. And is there any chance you could share a little bit of the synopsis about the last deal with us? Or is that kind of, it's hush hush no, until. <laughs> no, no, we can do it. Yeah. It's basically, um, it takes time uh, during like uh, when the black market back in the mid 2015s, like the teens and where the black market marijuana market was doing really well. And this guy created a small business for himself and was very successful at it until recently when it became uh, legalized. And now all of a sudden the white collar corporates are coming in and are just kind of squeezing a lot of these mom and pops that were doing really well out. So it's just his, it's his journey that he goes through in discovering um, about himself really but really about discovering about like what it's going to take in order to stay afloat. And that's where the last deal comes in. He goes on one last deal to try to save his business. And uh, it's an interesting journey. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Honestly, like that. <laughs> I want to watch yeah, that right oh, it's now. Great. Oh man. Yeah. 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 It'll be out. It should be, we, we're, we're in the midst of like finalizing with a distributor now, but it should be, it should be coming out where you could see it on VOD or in the theaters come this fall. Oh, hell yeah. I, I'm going to the theater for that one for sure. Cool. <laughs> that's that's going to be sick. What am um, going on to your, uh, you know, you wanting to tell stories and and create, you know, sort of a, a brand and a production, uh, you know, standpoint for yourself. Is there a genre in particular that you really, really are passionate about? Or are you just going to go all over no matter as long as the story is good, you want to make that movie? Yeah, it's all about the story. To okay. me, it's like, yeah, I just I mean, it's all about the story. I, I do love comedy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love comedy. I, I love dark comedy. I think that's why I think maybe I fit in so well over in the Barry camp. It's just, yeah. it's there's something, and I never realized how good of a bad guy I can play. I, I'm coming to find out that that might be my niche. And you're going to find out really if that's true in the next couple of episodes of Barry, because yeah, that, it gets it gets to be interesting. That's all I can tell you. Oh, I can't talk God. Too much about, but like, you're gonna <laughs> like starting this starting this Sunday. Um, yeah, you're gonna really get a taste of what I can bring as a bad guy uh, right to the end of the season. So we'll we'll see how it all unfolds, and if uh, we'll see what the reviews say. But my directors have all told me like you'd play a great bad guy. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'll re I'm a huge fan of Barry as is, but now I'm just, I'm going to be knocking down days to get to, to Sunday night, just so I can see what you're talking about, man. Oh and, man. And that was, that was, that was surreal for me too. I mean, I'm telling you, I feel like every time I started a new project, I had these most amazing experiences and I'm so blessed and so grateful for all this, but 
Stephen Root, if there's one guy out there that like I really was starstruck over, it was Stephen Root. And I remember back in 2007, we're on this star-studded like cast of a movie and everyone's like, hey, you starstruck about George Clooney or, or Renee Zellow? I'm like, no, but there's this guy that's coming to set next week. His name is Stephen Root. And I am the <laughs> hugest fan of this guy. He did Jimmy James on this, this TV series. Uh, news radio and I was just blown away by his performance and he's 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 one of our best I mean artists out there if you ask me when it comes to the acting world he he blows me away but we did the scene together uh, this episode that's coming up and I, I was just I, I was over the moon by it I was blown away and, um, and it was great to become friends with him and we've been friends ever since 2007 we get together at least two or three times a year to have lunch. He'll be checking out the premiere come June 10th uh, at the Chinese theater. He said he's going to join us. So yeah, he's a, he's an amazing performer and it was an absolute, I mean, gift to be able to work with him in that scene. Yeah. I, oh man. I'm like, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about the episode now, man. I'm not even kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's just it, to meet a hero too. And it's not, uh, I don't know. Some people meet their, your heroes are people they look up to and they find that it uh it gets sullied like the person is you know not the kindest or you know there's always those mixed expectations but it's fantastic to hear that you know you're even friends with steven root to this day and you know being what great performers both of you are i can only imagine what you're going to bring to that scene so now i'm just i'm even more pumped for that uh you know going from uh barry into you know you're talking about becoming a, a villain or a villainous character I'm surprised I haven't seen you in a Bond movie yet. Is there any talk mm. for that at some point? Or have you have you been <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trading yeah. emails? Yeah. I mean, I'm open to it. It's funny. I, I I I like the small ones. I like mm. the. I just I find myself so much more vested and so much more fulfilled when I'm on these smaller sets but the bonds would be amazing i mean what they've done with that bond franchise is just i mean unbelievable the last one was fantastic i mean i i, I love that franchise so i would i would jump at the opportunity to play a bad guy on something like that <laughs> i'm gonna keep my uh, keep my eyes open sir i mean they're shifting everything so who knows in the next year or so you could be in milan you know in a motorcycle chase you could only freaking hope for that man uh, <laughs> I. Going along with, you know, the last deal, got Barry coming up. What other things are coming up this year that uh, that you can share as far as, you know, roles and, um, you know, different projects you're really excited about? I know you're in uh, Perry Mason coming back. So congrats on that. That's going to be amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently working on that. Worked on that yesterday. Then I'm working on it again a couple of weeks, uh, playing the character Big Marv. So, yeah, playing a, a, a muscle guy that, has uh i opened up the season with an amazing shot i i just they're they're writers the storytellers the, the uh oh my gosh the cinematographers the directors that those guys have over there on perry mason what a great professional camp yeah. i mean yeah very excited to see what that turns out to be but i have a fun little part on that that i'm currently playing on that's a lot of fun it's a great camp and then um Christopher Nolan's movie that he's currently working on, Oppenheimer, which is just, I mean, it looked, we were only on it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. But it, it just, 
he's just a genius. He, he's just such a smart guy in the, in the sense of like, he doesn't, he, he just puts out what he wants back, which is so simple in life. It's like, I mean, if you want, if you, if you want people to be passionate, then be passionate. I mean, show your passion. If you want people to be fair, show that. If you want people to work hard, then work hard. And he does it all. He, he's an amazing filmmaker, someone to inspire to be like, and, and take a lot of tips from, but yeah, he's doing his, film right now which looks like it's going to be uh, we'll see how it's going to what do but I, I would be very surprised if it doesn't it doesn't become one of his better movies really okay that you don't hear a whole lot about it either so that's that's fantastic to hear especially coming from somebody who is on set you know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was wow, interesting man. that yeah okay that uh that boosts my uh you know my hopes for that movie because it, it's you know it's nolan he's gonna do something great with it i just wasn't sure you know oppenheimer and eh, we'll see but you know you christopher nolan boom i'm in uh oh. <laughs> I, thank you brother yeah yeah great. of course i mean great. honestly man i've uh i've been a fan of yours since uh since i saw the fighter i think i had just graduated high school i saw the fighter and uh about two years after that i i just sort of fell into the acting industry and i look at people like yourself and other people i look up to and i see that that career trajectory and it it does give me you know fuel to keep going and find my own drive to do it so i want to say before i you know finish up these last few questions thank you so much for you know continuing to expire jesus what am i saying no caffeine today to inspire uh people that you know still look up to you even if you're outside of the classroom it's uh it's amazing what you do every single day and the fact that you do a lot of stunts and you're still walking you're like the hardest guy out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a miracle. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. It yeah. means a lot. Yeah, means a lot. Course, Thank you. Um, now that I've uh, completely gotten rid of my, uh, my tongue tiedness, honestly, this lack of coffee in the last few days is kicking my ass, but we'll move on to the last few questions, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd sent this previously, but I do want to ask you, it's my favorite question of our entire podcast, but it's essentially just asking you if you have a party story you could share with the listeners. So it could be something that happened to you while working on set, something that maybe doesn't even have a single thing to do with the arts industry, but it's a story that has impacted you so much that you would gladly share it at a party, not missing a single beat. Ooh. Um, back, so when I did my, the, it's 2007. Yeah. It was 2007. We were doing Leatherheads. I was doubling George Clooney. It was like a boys' club for like three months, and that's where we all bonded. And that was where Stephen Root and a handful of other guys and I all became like pretty much friends, and still today. And George invited us all over to his house for New Year's Eve. So he's like, "Hey, come on over to the house." And so we all showed up at the house. We had a blast that night. And it, the, the night ends with all of us jumping into the pool in the hot tub. And I just remember, like, I just remember sitting in the hot tub with a bottle of Cristal of champagne and, like, we're, and the moon's out. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, and I'm looking around and George's office. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, how did I get here? I was just teaching in the public schools of Worcester, Massachusetts to special ed kids. And I was teaching preschool for seven years before that. How did I end up? This is surreal, man. My career could end today, and I feel 100% fulfilled in what I came out here to do. So I think it was that feeling of fulfillment 
um, that kind of made a lot of other things come effortlessly in my career. Yeah. Uh, not really like feeling like I need it, but more like I feel completely fulfilled of where I am today. So yeah, that's probably my, one of my favorite party stories. I think I remember in my life where it just was a big pivotal point on uh, yeah, my yeah. career and what things change and my outlook on things. Oh man, that's, that's fantastic. That's every actor's dream. <laughs> Sit there and going, I don't know how I got here. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. I love that party story. Uh, and this kind of goes directly with that, but asking if you have any advice for maybe those who are trying to get into the arts industry or maybe those who are kind of tooling around with it, been in it for a while and trying to, to continue on. Do you have any advice you could pass on to those people? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is kind of like what I mentioned, just feeling fulfilled in life with what you have accomplished up to this point. And that doesn't take, I'm not saying take away from the drive, but feeling completely fulfilled and satisfied with who you are is one, one of those things that I kept seeing reoccurring in my career that once I felt that way and truly felt that feeling and lived it, that things just started coming effortlessly. And, and that's, and I remember, so I come from uh, the NESCAC uh, community of colleges. And I remember they had a, a seminar for us out here at CBS one time and they had a bunch of speakers. And one of the guys that got up and spoke, he mentioned like one of the best things that I can give you guys for words of advice about this entertainment business is work smart, not hard. And that, that always stuck with me because I, I'm really good at working hard, but sometimes you're just running in a wheel and you're not going anywhere as opposed to like, Hey, stop think about it, step off the wheel and start walking that way. So it was just like, you can get really far and fast in this career. I think if you just work smart and, um, and think about things and, and I think if it's not working, then do something different and then just keep working. And that's, that's probably the best advice I can say is feeling fulfilled and working smart. Not so hard. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, suitable um working the smartest is i think the hardest thing you can do ironically enough in the industry just like you said uh we can have a whole tool book of how to navigate this spot but unless you know how to you know grease the wheels man it's not gonna go as smoothly as you think it would be uh no that's uh that's fantastic advice and you know once again i i don't want to take up too much of your time i know you've been working like crazy we'll finish it up here but i want to say thank you again for for joining the show donating your time and allowing uh, myself and other arts workers to kind of listen to your story and get to know who you are. Cause I think most of us recently have just seen you and everything everywhere all at once. And uh, just got a kick out of you completely exploding into confetti. So magical experience in the theater. I can tell you that much. Uh, oh, the last cool. thing I'll do for this episode, sir, is uh, ask you if you wouldn't mind giving us, your best awkward goodbye. Now I'll describe what this is really quick. Essentially, if you've seen Wayne's World, it is a silent three, two, one countdown that I'll give. And when I point to you, just give me your best verbally based awkward goodbye. And then we will part from there. <laughs> you ready for that? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> All right, it's like being an acting class again. All right, Anthony, uh, thank you again for coming on to the show. I'm going to sign off with you here in. Ciao!